It's Sean and Kevin's Infinite Movie Crisis. Roll the dice. Accept your movie fate. Hello and welcome to Sean, Sean and, 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 and Ke- Kevin's Infinite, Infinite movie, movie Crisis. Movie Crisis. <laughs> Fix it in post. Fix it. Nope. But I've done enough posts. We cannot fix it in post. If you're listening to this for the very first time, good for you. Good job. Thank you. This is a movie podcast where every week we roll the die. We take we rank movies from one to ten, and then we roll a ten-sided die to decide what we're gonna watch. This week, Kevin, we rolled a ten. Yeah, you did it. You didn't beef the roll. Good for you. Good for Mostly, you. Good for I, you. I rolled a ten. Baby. I know, because apparently I'm I'm bad at rolling, and and I'm gonna roll again at the end of this episode. I hope I roll a fucking one at the end of this episode. I kind of I kind of hope you do too. Yeah, like know, fuck why it, I, why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? Let's just let's just keep. If it's it. another four, ones. if it's another four, we have to cancel the show. <laughs> I know I can't take another four. We've done they're the so worst. <laughs> we've done okay in uh, including our movie commentaries, excluding the Justice League movies that we did. We've rolled one two one two three four. Four fours, one five, one six, one seven, and one, and now two tens. I like, and and all the fours are mine. It was like four out of six rolls were fours. At one point, it was five rolls, and four of them were fours. Like I, uh, you can go back and listen to the Punisher episode. I did the math. It's like it's a stupid slow number for like what happened. Okay, but we're still in our in our infancy. Of I know, show. I know. So, we like, t- we've we've taken we took a little bit of break after the Snyder cut, and we're we're ready to. Shake that rust off, baby. Yeah, that took, that took a lot of this. But now we're back into just doing, you know. Oh, I had to go like, into the fucking Lazarus pit after uh, after watching the Snyder Cut. <laughs> it, we really did. Uh, listen to that full four-hour commentary. Or don't. Don't or, encourage us. Don't, don't encourage us. Don't, no, encourage us. Because it, it's great. That way we can restore the Snyderverse, Kevin. Restore it. I want none of, none of it. Destroy the Snyderverse. Hashtag destroy the Snyderverse. <laughs> just burn every copy. <laughs> uh, well, but this, uh, this movie... This week has nothing to do with superheroes. Now, what do we do this week there, Sean? This this week, we got No Country for Old Men, Kevin. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. How did you feel about this film before rewatching it? Uh, I mean, I, I like, for the record, when you said, like, oh, it's a 10, I was like, yeah, of course it's a 10. Um, I have seen this movie several times. Um, I remember distinctly when uh, I got my first laptop, uh, which is around, like, 2008, 2009, somewhere in there. Uh, I remember... One of the things I did was uh, start to be like, well, I should start building up kind of like a movie collection and start like, you know, actually watching them on my own time, you know, because watching a movie was always like a family thing because, you know, we'd have the, the TV and the DVD player or whatever. So one of the first movies I remember watching, like kind of on my own, out of my own volition, was No Country for Old Men because what's the first thing you do when you're looking for movies to watch? You're like, what was the best movie of last year? And like this was this won the, the, the Oscar in 2007. Um, yeah, one big time Oscar. Yeah. This uh, it was the it's like a modern it's a modern western epic. It made you know it's like it's become cinema like just you know every year the Oscars they like to play like the highlight reel the best cinema. This is always is in it. It's always in it. it's Joni Joni Cohen's who are considered like first ballot hall of famers by a wide margin in terms of director pantheons, right. and like this is for most people this is probably their number one film of theirs. I think this is my favorite of theirs for sure. I don't know if this is my. I mean, for me, uh, the Big Lebowski is my number one for them. Even then, like, even then, like I love the Big Lebowski. I think it's a fantastic movie. I think it's overdone. I think like too many people make too many references to it. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I mean, it is an overquoted story. Well, it's because it's because every fucking brewery I've been to in the last ten years, 
Like, every single one of them has had some kind of reference to The Big Lebowski. Yeah, we Seriously. <laughs> it really, yeah. It's an insanely popular film. But, uh, yeah, this film is just, it's, it's a different beast entirely. Because I was writing in my notes when watching the movie. I'm like, fuck, I really don't have much. Oh, it's the shortest like, amount of notes I've taken for this whole podcast. It, there's not much to make fun of it about. Well, okay, it's like, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is that, to me, the way I would describe this movie as far as, like, who's watching this at this point. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, because you probably took more classes like this than I did. But in, if there's, like, an intro film studies class, this has to be on the list. It should be. It should be in a lot more intro no, film I, studies I, classes. I, I firmly believe that, like, most intro film studies classes, is, as far as, like, American cinema, watch this movies now. It's it's become a standard because what we're about to do, if, if, if it's not going to blow your mind on this one, there's no takes, there's no analysis that we can do that's not already been done. Actually, yeah, that's a really good point. If you click on any shitty YouTuber who does like video essays, I guarantee they have on a No Country for Old Right, they do, some, but- they do some lukewarm take about like, oh, well, you know, Anton Chigurh represents death. It's like, yeah, of course he fucking does. <laughs> yeah, the, you can find one on the cinematography, the lack of score, uh, used relatively low, uh, the casting, like you said, uh, said with Anton Chigurh, like the, the the greater allegory of it as a film. Uh, you can do how to adapt a, a novel into a screenplay. Uh, yeah, just directing. I, I don't think. Every... I don't think like and we can touch on it if you want to, but like for me personally, I don't think there's any of those like film analysis things that I personally can do that's going to be like, yeah, that's a great thing you said there, Kevin. Like someone's already said it before, you know. No, I can't bring any new takes, but I can highlight takes that I've seen Th- that, be- that yes, help. I agree. Help me deepen deepen my my love right. for this film. And, and also, like that. All being said, some movies that are in cinema classes, right, in filmography classes and that kind of thing, when they're when they're watching them, a lot of the time you're like, well, I get what they're going for, but this is boring. This is not a boring movie. I was, I, I, you're enthralled. Watching this movie, you know what I mean. From the, I wrote down it's a, a slow, methodic thriller. Is kind of which the way feels I was just, like an oxymoron, but it's not. But it's not. It was, it's just like there's these slow pans across the beautiful, just that Western Texas vastness of Americana. It's just like it's so engaging. You know, it's kind of like it's. There's a reason why so many things are set in that that this area. But yeah, it's just it's it's just, it's an epic film. It's hard again. I'm, it sucks because we're I, we're kind of a comedy podcast. And I really tried hard to find some jokes. There's a couple and things, re- but it's nothing. There's a yeah. couple things, but I'm like, I, I got, I can't even just call someone a straight up fatso in this. Like, this is really. I know. Like, I know. Uh, it's. it's I mean, there there's is. some big. There's some, there's some big boys, though. I know. Don't worry. It is Texas. It is Texas. And that, there are some Texans in this. I know. And, and that's that's the amazing part. But, like, I don't. It, I, I think it's a very influential movie. I think it's been parodied a lot. For a lot, for a lot of different reasons, um, I think this movie gets confused, at least in my head, at the time, because this is right around the time I started being aware of like what the Oscars were. This and there will be blood. I think it confused all the time. That I was about to bring up that as my next point. These two films are like intrinsically tied together because they are. I wouldn't say they have similar themes, but they are set in the West. They, are, you know, the titles are nothing like they kind of are. They just have that many syllables in them, which I guess uh-huh. is kind of rare. And they're fucking both um, dark as hell. Right, they're both dark as hell. They're both directed have master class performances by our literally our best actors of all time. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, with Javier Bardem and Daniel Day Lewis and directors who are you know Joel and Ethan Cohen uh, and P.T. Anderson. Uh, like, are, are we going to bring up that this this is one of the casts of movies that is like one of the bane of your existence, just in terms of telling who's who? <laughs> yes. Would you care to explain okay, so that to the audience? I, Sean? I'll explain this. I'll explain this. I made this confession to Kevin. Oh, probably almost ten years ago now. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was freshman of, year. Of I always get Josh Brolin, 
Benicio del Toro and Javier Bardem confused. And it, it really came to a peak when we were chilling in our, our apartment, like junior year, and we were watching Sicario. And I was, I would turn to Sean and be like, which one's that? And he'd be like, uh. <laughs> Sicario 2, which is also basically set in the same location. Exactly. I know. It's like, and, oh, <laughs> it, it, it fucks me apart. I, all those actors equally great. You know what's worse, too, is Josh Brolin, was just, he was on Marin uh, like a year ago. Uh-huh. And he talked about how the three of them are all friends. No. <laughs> yeah, they hang out like all the time. No, not. No. You're killing me, guys. You're killing me. It's just a really fun game to play. If any of you audience ever end up hanging out with Sean, don't know if that would ever happen. Just fuck with him by being like, hey, is that one Benicio Del Toro or Josh Brolin? You'll be like, uh, and I'm like, ha, it's Javier Bardem. <laughs> yeah. I will say, I think I get Benny and uh, and uh, 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 Josh Brolin confused more than, like, but then Bardem, I mainly get Bardem and Benicio Del Toro confused, but then I get Benicio and Brolin confused. Yep. And every now and then, Brolin and, Bene- and uh, Bardem. Now tell me, Sean, which one is not in this movie? That's that, that's easy. Come on, <laughs> Javier Bar- Javier Bardem is not in this movie. <laughs> Benicio del Toro plays. No, it, I know it's, I know it's Javier Bardem. It's just it's but always. Pe- a- but people, we're joking. But I do like it's it's. You know what it would be season. if you and I were writers on SNL. That would be our ten to one writer sketch. You know what I mean? Like we need a ten to one sketch that only we find funny as the writers. We would do like a game show where it's just Benicio del Toro, Josh Brolin, or, or Javier Bardem. <laughs> yeah. I watched this. Uh, this is a non sequitur. We might probably get covered with kind. There's a Saturday Night Live sketch I just saw the other day where it was uh, literally just, hey, whites, we had a good run, didn't we? <laughs> this was like eight years ago. It's like, we know it's not going to go well for us in the future. <laughs> but now we just got to soak up and enjoy this moment because we're still on top. God damn it. And it's like, wow, this is a dark, accurate film uh, sketch. But uh, all right, why don't we break down uh, the fundamental tenets of what No Country for Old Men is? Yeah, like so, you want to give us a little, little synopsis or let me, a little let me give uh, it, let break let it down, give, baby. Let me bring it down before we get into the diary. So No Country for Old Men. Violence and mayhem ensue after a hunter stumbles upon a drug deal gone wrong and more than $2 million in cash near the Rio Grande, thus pursuing an epic t- cat and mouse-like chase across western Texas while an old, <clears throat> an old uh, uh, sheriff is hot on the trail. When the, the oldest, grumpiest man. Oldest, grumpiest man. If he was Sam Elliott, it would only be older and grumpy. I know, I know. I, like, I mean, Tommy Lee Jones is perfect for this he part. He is perfect in terms of grumpy old man. But, like, Sam Elliott would be the parody of this movie, would be the Sam Elliott. Yeah, Sam Elliott would be in the... I've, there definitely is a Sam Elliott parody of him in this role. Yeah, for sure. All right, this movie, as I said before, was directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen. It was written by Joel, Joel and Ethan Cohen and adapted from a Cormac McCarthy novel of the same name. Uh, the music is by Carter Burwell, but most importantly, this is the, we don't really always mention this, but cinematography by Roger Deakins, who is the first ballot Hall of Famer, the Michael Jordan of cinematography, mm-hmm. uh, because this is a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous movie. Mm-hmm. The movie stars Tommy Lee Jones as Ed Tom Bell, Javier Bardem as Anton Chigurh, Josh Brolin as Lewin Moss, Woody Harrelson as Carson Wells, Kelly McDonald as Carla, Carla Jean Mouse, Garrett Dellenhut as Deputy Wendell, Tess Harper as Loretta Bell. And Stephen Root as the man who hires Wells. And uh, Benicio Del Toro as who? And Benicio Del Toro as the Sicario. <laughs> he is not in this movie. We know that. He's not. He, definitively, he is not in this movie. Oh, this oh movie okay. Was, you say definitively. Give me a percentage of how definitive you are that he's not in this movie. I'm 85% sure That's he's not in this Good movie. enough for me, baby. B plus. Let's go. Uh, this movie was released on November 9th, 2007. It sits with an 8.1 on IMDb, a 91 on Metacritic, a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Those all sound about right because uh, 
I think 91 from critics sounds right because like that that's universal acclaim. The 8.1 at IMDb makes sense to me because there's no one's mom likes this movie. Yes, because this movie is it. I guess it's not in ambiguous but it's morally opaque absolutely absolutely and there's there's a bunch of things where they kind of we'll we'll get into it there's there's a lot of tropes that Mm -hmm. kind some of them just straight up get inverted some of them are just like kind of ignored and to the average moviegoer i could see them being like yeah but what about this thing that usually happens in these kind of movies it's like well this movie doesn't fucking care no this movie really does not care with any of your standard heroes and villains. Yeah, and, that's the thing. Good, there, yeah, yeah, exactly. Old, yeah, it's just, there's so many ways you can see where it would take those stereotypical turns that just doesn't. This movie made $171 million worldwide on uh, $74 million domestically on a $1 million opening weekend with a $25 million budget. So this is was a cheaply made movie, which you would not guess. No, no. I mean, $25 million is still a lot of money, but it's like... Oh, I mean, like, that's, that's an indie budget these days. It was nominated for eight Academy Awards. It won... Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor, Best Director, and Best Adapted Screenplay. That sounds sound right. Yep. N- also nominated for Cinematography, Film Editing, Sound Mixing, and Sound Editing. The Okay, those all sound fair. I would like to know who got Cinematography. That's the only one I want to know. It's a good question, which I have pulled up. And let me yeah, who, who beat him out down. of there? Was it, was it uh, uh, There Will Be Blood? Yes, it was. Robert Ellsworth won for There Will Be Blood. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, that year it was, just, it was just those two movies, like, jockeying. It was an interesting year for, I mean, I guess we can go through, through them all. Uh, so Best Picture, this is before they switched to five to ten uh, nominees. Right, it's just five this now, is, right? This is when it's still five. So it's No Country for Old Men, Atonement. Juno, Michael Clayton, and there will be. Blood. That is a weird group. Yeah, I'm in. Like I'm into all of them. All, the, all those movies. Yeah, I like them all. It's just that yeah, those were clearly the two top horses. Yeah, like there really hasn't been too many like runaway Who's, Academy. Who, who since 2007 has actively watched Atonement? Because I haven't. No, I have not either. <laughs> I've never that, seen Atonement. <laughs> that that is a good, really good question. Yeah, I don't know who else. Uh, who else you give it to? Yeah, uh, other Academy Awards stuff. Not too crazy. Daniel Day Lewis won for There Will Be Blood. That that's a no fucking brainer. Absolutely right. Yeah. Beating Tommy Lee Jones. Actually, Tommy Lee Jones didn't get nominated for this. He got nominated for In the Valley of Allah. He not not this movie. What the hell is that? I have no clue, but why not nominate him for this? Was, was it just the same character, but just not in Texas? <laughs> I guess so. I'm not going to watch it, I tell you that. <laughs> You're not going to search up an obscure movie from 2007 with Tommy in Lee Jones val- in it? All right. All right. Now the only because we're looking at it, I'll click on it. In the Valley of Allah. Let's just read the description. It's an American crime drama mystery written by Paul Haggis. Uh, the film refers to the biblical valley between the battle between David and Goliath. It's based on actual events. Okay, it's like a war movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, I, well, I don't it's, care. it's about Iraq. No, it's, I don't it, care. yeah, I don't, sorry, no, no one gives a shit. Uh, best supporting actor Javier Bardem won. Uh, obviously, this is this is a there's every now and then there's like there's no ambiguity of who's the best actor and like it's gonna win. Yeah. Like they like to discredit, but like this is one of those just like no one objects to this win. He, uh, no one does. I I love hearing. I don't know the exact quote. But there's definitely an interview with him where he talks about how he got cast by the Coen brothers and they were like, hey, here's the haircut you're going to wear in this movie. And he was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, he was just like, oh, no, because now he's not only did he have to have this fucking 70s ass bowl cut walking around the desert in all black. Like, not only do you have to do that. Now he is forever known by this haircut. Yes, he you is. I mean, I have the exact quote for you right now. So, director Joel Nathan Cohen used a photo of a brothel patron taken in 1979 as a model for Anton Chigurh's hairstyle. When he first saw his new haircut, Javier Bardem said, 
oh no, now it won't get laid for at least the next two months. That's what it was. Co- yep, he's like, oh no. <laughs> the Coen brothers responded by happily high-fiving each other. Bardem's Part- response meant Chigur would look as creepy as they had hoped. Oh, God. <laughs> because Javier Bardem is a sexy man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Ooh. But this movie, he is not. I Mission accomplished? Yes. You did it. I mean, Anton Chigur is like, he's now in... I, I'd say he's a Mount Rushmore villain. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean... In terms of antagonists? Yeah. Like, uh, he, he's iconic. A lot about this movie is like, when you think of the 2000, like the 2000s in terms of movies, this is like one of the, like, it's one of the best ones, and he is mm-hmm. the most iconic person in this most iconic movie. And it's just, it's Easily. really... He, he, he is what you think of when you think of this movie. Right. And... and, and the thing is, like, when I'm sometimes, when, when, you know, once in a while, I have like a, a collection of movies on my hard drive, and I'll just go through, and I won't necessarily watch the whole movie. I'm like, I want to see like a couple scenes from here or, or whatever. This is a movie where like there are certain scenes in it, which we'll talk about in the diaries, mm. where I remember watching this as a whole was for the first time in a long time last night. We would get to like a really iconic scene, especially one with him in it, and I'd be like, I have seen this particular scene like at least a hundred times. Yeah, I I thought the same thing too because I was like. I got not bored, but I guess I was just so used to seeing the impact, some of those the scenes. The impact, unfortunately, wasn't there, and that's that's on yeah. me. That's on, I know that's on me. <laughs> and you know what this is? I rewatched it like six months ago, also sure. before we even started doing this podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, it needs an extra little oomph sometimes. Yeah, it, it doesn't take away from how amazing those scenes are. Someone who, as someone who has seen a lot of them a million times, it's it's it loses the impact a little bit. Now with that, Kevin. I have uh, one thing to ask you. I, I know exactly what you're going to ask me. What's the most I fucking knew it. I knew exactly what you were going to go for. <laughs> I knew exactly that's what you were going to do. <laughs> I mean, what else was I going to say? Like, really? Uh, like, I, I, I would like to. I'd like to respond with another question. Mm-hmm. What's the most you've ever lost in a game of odds are? <laughs> <laughs> I was try- I was. I was with a friend last night. I got him some drinks. I tried teaching him odds are, and he just didn't get it. Oh, how do you not get it? It's a great drinking I, game. He was pretty drunk, but I was just like, come on, how do you not? Oh, it, it, it was disappointing. I had to explain to him all the stuff Dan Lincoln and I would do to each other. I, I've never, uh, I personally have never actually lost a game of odds are, but, but that being said, uh, I, I, my favorite story ever, real quick sidebar with odds are, the most I've ever seen someone lose on a game of, uh, on a game of odds are friend of mine this was this was st patrick's day like three years ago back you know when we could go out to bars and it was fine um we were out at a bar like we had been drinking all day and we're sitting there it's this irish bar in rochester new york and i I look across and someone has left their own like their drink it looks like a rum and coke probably but the ice has completely melted it's been there for a minute you know what i mean like it's it's a it's a dead soldier (laughs) you know what i mean it's a dead soldier yeah I turned to my friend and I was like, what are the odds you down that right now? And he goes, one in 50. And we both said 46. And he had to drink it. That's the most I've ever seen someone lose in a game of odds are. It, it, is, it is so gross, but it is so, it is so riveting. Highly recommend it to all of you if you haven't played yeah, it. it's great. But let's get into our viewing diary, shall we? Uh, I got nothing uh, funny. It's done. We're done. It's, done. it's over. I, I really don't have anything No, there's funny. a couple things, but like... We can go through quickly. We don't need to get in the minutia. Uh, I don't think. Yeah, we don't need, like you just just going through the story of it. So it opens in uh, 1980, uh, where it starts with Anton Chigurh has already been arrested in Texas, and then it just starts with a brutal murder. The the whole <laughs> like, opening of, of all three of our main characters, but especially Brolin and Bardem, the opening introductions of those characters, their whole sequences 
are so engrossing. You know, they're kind of intertwined a little bit, but like just the 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 cinematography or like the the shot of fucking Javier Bardem like of Anton Chigurh like rising in the background but out of focus. Well, and he just comes up and fucking garrotes the guy. Oh, fucking yeah, great. Just just a just a brutal and then of course you get crazy um, get, eyes too. Those crazy eyes. Cra- it, it, I wrote, what I wrote down. I wrote down this look of look on Javier Bardem's face is haunting satisfaction of glee of glee and brutality, and I'm like, yeah, he, he just has this just well, well, uh, Mr. Poet. I wrote down, yeah, he's got a cool look on his face. <laughs> he did have a cool look on his I face. I, I I I I was an English major, Kevin. Uh, yep. <sighs> <laughs> All right, now, this is like one of the power of filmmaking of turning the a uh, captive bolt pistol into like this iconic weapon. Right? I, I, it's right. so unique. Just like, but you never. Who the fuck would think to use that in that that way? It's got to be directly for, from the novel, because my understanding is this is a very yes, close I, adaptation from the novel, right? Basically, what I've read the difference with the novel is actually they just took out dialogue. Oh, okay. Like there's, there's a little more exposition. Well, isn't the novel did, written kind of like a screenplay? Basically, the Tommy Lee Jones has more to do in it. But that's kind of about it. Yeah, the, the, I'm looking at it right here uh, real quick on Wikipedia. They say the major difference is uh, what is focused on. The the novel, it's mostly Sheriff Bell. And the, the movie is pretty much split between all three of our leads. Although Sheriff Bell gets actually the least amount of screen time in this. I film. would agree. I would agree with that for sure. But anyway. So then we, like, after we get that introduction of our of our killer, we meet our, would you describe Josh Bowen's character as our protagonist? Uh yeah, at least at least you're uh, at least at first yes, absolutely. Because he's he's kind of neutral. He right? is. If oh, he's absolutely neutral. Absolutely. D&D, yes. DD because he's a man who takes an opportunity to make some money for his, for himself. Right. And and, he, and yeah, absolutely. He has he has ethics to what he's doing. But he, you know, and I like again just a little video essay. Of course, he's the hunter in the beginning of this hunting pronghorns and then he immediately becomes the prey once upon finding the money. I love right? I like love that. those things cuz like like yeah, of course. Like those. That's obviously fine. It's, it's an obvious. That's fine analysis. But it, like at the same time, sitting there, like, all right, okay, cool. Like, good job. <laughs> you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Way to way to tell you exactly what the most obvious. Uh, I guess not even analysis. Well, well just, you like, see here, uh, Anton Chigurh is wearing black because he represents death, which is traditionally represented with the color black. Yeah. Like, okay, great, good job. Like, <laughs> uh, he takes he goes back to his wife, Carla Jean, who is fantastic. Oh, uh, she's one of my uh, favorite characters, and I don't know why. I love her. It's just be- no, it's, she's just a true like Southern Belle. Their relationship is so it's so earnest. It is. It really is. It's like oh, he's like I'm gonna take you back and fuck you later. What's and she's like oh, I'd like to see you try. And he's and she's like I'm just not gonna say anything. And he's like that'll work. <laughs> like it's just great. And I like too that uh, Brolin again. They show just how smart Brolin's character is. That he knows people are gonna come looking for this money right immediately. Like there's a version of this where he's just an idiot like Hick. Who's just instantly spending too much? I couldn't dollars. agree more. I mean, one of my favorite features of this movie is that, ev- oh, I mean, you know, correct me if you have a counterexample, but like, I think that almost every character in this movie is pretty damn smart. Yes, they're all good at what they do. Right. Like they're like they're basically it just comes down to what positioning they're in. Right. Is it's all it's all about. like if you the the you know what ends up happening to each character, a lot of it is just random luck. And it's also just random fate at times, right, too, exactly. right? I guess we yeah, jump ahead to the end when Chigurh, uh gets hit by the car. Like, that's just a random instance of, you know, that happens to him. Right, and and one of the, the you know, basic, like, lukewarm takes on this movie is that, like, this movie deals with determinism versus random fate type thing. Uh, like, that that is a major theme of the movie is, like, 
you know, and, and it's just it's very interesting because a lot of the time in in thrillers, the reason that someone gets caught or the reason that someone dies is because they made a mistake and got outsmarted by the other character, right? And this not really though, like they don't really get outsmarted. It's just more of just they got closed in on. Like I mean, I always say Jigor is the better killer and he's better at what he does than the other two. Right. But it's not so not for their lack I, of I, not for their own failures. I, what I wanted to write down in the moment based off of what you said was that you know josh brolin's character is really dumb guy smart he's not dumb guy smart though. Yes. he's average guy smart you know what i mean yeah like he's just like yeah, I, like he's got that average ingenuity of like just a, a regular person a blue collar worker but who is actually super duper smart yes i i would agree with that because he's also he's a vietnam vet so right. he has some weapons training and stuff okay uh, so how, i would say the big sorry how about that that opening though like the hunting scene of him discovering the drug deal how brilliant it is because you know exactly what happened and you know exactly what's going through his mind across this like 20 minute sequence and he says maybe like three lines of dialogue never he when he so we should mention he discovers a guy who's still alive inside one of the trucks who's just uh, claiming out for water uh he's like i don't got any water for you i'm gonna try to do my best bro uh, i i love i love what he's <laughs> like uh you know close the door you know i lobos he's like there's wolves and he's like, hey, there ain't no Lobos, and just walks away. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's quite funny. But you know there, there's definitely, again, bad directors would and writers would have him saying like, hmm, I bet some sort of Mexican drug deal happened here. Right. Like, as opposed to just... Having faith it, in yeah, the audience that, like, you can show them what's happening, and someone yeah. sitting there would be like, oh, that's what's going on, you know? See, if we want to say there's one dumb mistake he makes is when he goes back to bring water... To this, to th- that is, again, that is the only mistake he makes, and the funniest part of it, again, this is like a basic interpretation, but like, he gets punished for trying to do a good thing for a bad person. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's, again, there's, there's takes on this too, that basically him taking the money in general is his original sin. Taking taking the apple from, I've seen that take on that. You know? But like, he's um, taking it from drug dealers. Yeah, exactly. It's not like he's, he's not robbing a poor person. Like, it's just him taking, I mean, again, you can say money is the root of all evil, yada, yada, right. yada. But, but like, in my head, like, he got punished for trying to do a good thing. Like, that's the first take I had. And then I was like, but he's trying to do a good thing for probably a bad person. Yes, exactly. I mean, you don't know. That like, is the most uh, bent over backwards way of saying that, oh, he tried to do a good thing. And that's why he got punished for doing a good thing. I don't know. So it goes back. And then, of course, uh, the people who were uh, had the money and the drugs are going to survey on the scene. Uh, he obviously instantly is like, ah, oh, fuck, I, I fucked this up. A great escape him. I There's a great shot, what I'll write down, where he's running into the storm. I'm like, that's how you write a good metaphor right there, motherfucker. Oh, when he's running and there's like uh, a, there's running, a, there's a fucking. Do you see a bolt of lightning a bolt of in the lightning? distance? Do you think that was yeah. added in post or is that just something that happened? It looks so good that it looked natural. Because that looks but... like real lightning to me. Like very off in the yes, distance real no. lightning. It does look very real, and I think it might. I think they might have just gotten lucky on the day. I agree with the plan of that. Well, because like, out in the plains of Texas and like this, the the breadbasket of the U.S., those are some of the most intense thunderstorms in the in the world. They're like crazy intense thunderstorms. Yeah, but I love that as a, just a metaphor of a guy, him literally running into right. the storm. You see, Sean, he's this. running towards the storm because the bad things are about to happen to him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we then we get a fucking great dog kill. Oh, I oh, love uh, uh, does the dog die? Dot com. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, he does. I wrote down. If you take notice, there's three dead dogs we've seen so far. Two in the initial surveillance yep. scene, and then him waiting, loading his gun, getting the water out, cold cocking it. Bam! 
And also, uh, 10 effort points to that dog. He ran after that him and did... swam after him for like a mile. That dog did its job. Good for the, good for the dog. Uh, in, uh, before this sequence, before he comes out, I just wanted to throw out my two of my absolute favorite lines of dialogue in this whole movie. He's first talking to Carla Jean, and she's he's, she's asking him, like, where'd you get that? Where'd you get that? And, she, and he, she's like, where'd you get that pistol? And he's like, at the getting place. <laughs> like, this is such a good place. line. Um, yeah. And then also... I would argue iconic scene that happens twice is we see our character wake up in the middle of the night, sigh, go like, all right. And it's like, wait, what? And then he's going to go give him water. Like, it's just, I love it. I, I really love it. Okay. Then uh, basically the next thing that happened is the Shigor, uh, as I played play the clip, what's the most you've ever lost on a coin toss friend though? Uh, I didn't even write anything so down because I've seen it so many goddamn times. I've seen it so many times. You've seen it. It's great. I wrote down. And this is no knock on the on the guy at the uh, the gross, the gas station clerk, right. but it's it's a little like Michael Jordan versus Stephen Hawking at basketball here. You know, <laughs> he's doing fine. Okay, he's doing. He's, I said he is holding he's his doing own. Fine. But he's, he's doing fine. But yes, okay. you are playing pickup with Michael Jordan. That's what's happening. Yeah, yeah. I wrote down. It, it's like the scene from Wayne's World too. It's like I know it's a small part, but you don't think we can get a better actor? <laughs> When do you close? When, when do you close? We close now. We close about dark. We close now. <laughs> yeah, the Coen brothers are always great at finding these really small, uh, the small roles, just like very authentic feeling. Oh, uh, yeah. people. Oh yeah, like they, they, they pulled him out of a gas station in in you know El Paso. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, then we finally. Uh, so do you know what days on the coin? Nineteen fifty eight. So that, yeah, twenty two years later. Uh, so that's a, it's only confirmation that it's nineteen eighty. Um, we get like two. There's like two confirmations. 1980. At the very end, there's a gravestone that says through 1980. That's about it. So that's the only time. Because, uh, you know, it's weird because Texas is so. I'm not gonna say backwards, but there's times where you're like, this could be happening right now. I mean, that's another theme that I don't think gets analyzed as much. Is this, yeah. you know, the whole on the surface thing for the sheriff? Our, our sheriff character is like, he's like, what this world is changing around me, and like, yes. I mean, even in in when he goes out to the uh when he goes out to the drug deal scene they go on horseback you know what i mean yeah like that just feels like a throwback thing that feels strange but at the same time it's like well yeah it's a good way to get out there because you don't get you don't disturb the evidence you know like this is where we start actually get introduced to uh tommy lee jones and uh garrett dillahunt garrett dillahunt's fantastic in this he's one of my favorite actors who just doesn't get he's deputy wendell yeah and i'm like this guy pops up everywhere he's always good he's like uh, when the car's really? on fire, they come. I, I, he was my least favorite. Really, I loved him. I thought I, 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 I thought I, he stuck out like a sore thumb. Uh, I thought I thought he was great. He got to send on the car that's on fire. He's like should have brought weenies to this fi- to this roast. <laughs> <laughs> little southern, little southern chopping boy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess he. Sta- you know why he stands out? It's probably not him. It's probably that his character is kind of an innocent guy. I know. I think his character is supposed to be just like a good old boy. Right. Like, but he's you know, younger like than that. Tommy Lee Jones. Yes, he's like probably like thirty years younger than right. Me. And then, Which actually, you know, Tommy it Lee- kind of gets toward like you know, it's skipping ahead, but like the culmination of Tommy Lee Jones's character, in my eyes, is that scene. Is it his cousin he goes to see at the end? I think it's his cousin uh, when he goes to see Ellis. It's his yes. It's like um, it, like when he tells him he's like this shit we're dealing with ain't new, man. Like don't think yeah. it's all about you. Like things are always changing, and I'm like. Okay, that's a pretty cool scene. I think we've all been like kind of thrown off by how old Tommy Lee Jones is always supposed to be, because he's a guy who's always been old. Yep. He's been about fifty for like thirty years. He's been old since like since like before Men in Black. Like Men in Black, he's supposed to be the old guy. 
And it turns out he was like 45 at the time. <laughs> <laughs> he's just got old man energy, okay? Like he does. He always is old. Uh, the first old man thing energy. I wrote down in that opening monologue was I do not believe that Tommy Lee Jones is actually acting in this movie. This is just him. So we get more of uh, Shigur just, you know, hunting. Again, this is the problem with this movie. Like, there's not a lot of, there are a lot of scenes, but they're all quiet. Not much actually, not a lot happens, but a ton of stuff happens scene to scene. Because it is just them, him following, following the money. Right? Well, I mean, uh, think so about it. A lot of this, if you really think about it, as an audience, we know what's happening the whole time. You know what I mean? Like we went to that we went to that crime scene where the drug deal happened with like four different parties at like five different times. You know what I mean? So really, the action, the money, the plot, right? It doesn't matter that much. It's about the characters and their motivations and what they're figuring out in real time. That's what we're watching, right? Because like we know the answer to the mystery. Like we know like there's drug de- money and like he's being tracked right now. We know that. But we still go through the process of watching it happen just to watch him act, you know, (laughs) just just to watch him act. Uh, (laughs) I wrote down my first nominee for who's going to be the freak of the film is the secretary. She's up there. there. I love her. She's She's, 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 great. I'm I'm not telling you Uh, when that uh, when Wendell and Tommy Lee Jones show up on the scene and they they see the milk on the uh, thing. It's like, oh, Sheriff, we just missed like that. That was what I was talking about when I was like, I thought he stood out like a sore thumb. I was like, what the fuck are you doing here, buddy? I think I think it's. Uh, this is the point. Uh, then we get down to the uh, the first uh, motel room that he's in, an Eagle Pass. Uh, right, right. This is kind of like a really elaborate Tom and Jerry movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. <laughs> Just of of setup and execution of them trying to like outsmart the other one. Uh, I wrote down the woman who was the hotel manager, also a freak in this film. I love I love that we're in the we're in the eighties where evidence wasn't really a thing because Tommy Lee Jones straight up just drinking milk at the crime scene. Yeah, that yeah. There's no there's no rules or law. Yeah, I don't know how to describe it. It's just a really tense scene where uh, we see Chigor kills a bunch of Mexicans in a firefight. Uh, just getting by while uh, you know like Moss is just keep hiding the money and he's just like he's like oh can you, I, if you can just get away and we are rooting for him is the thing too. Where he's just trying, like, like when he drives by, he's like, uh, take me to a different motel. Yeah. Take me, take, just take me to, take, take me to a different one. Totally. Did you notice? So here's, here's a fun detail. This actually got a laugh out of me. He goes to the guy twice. He goes to the door, he goes to the, the store to buy new boots. And then later on, he goes to buy all the other clothes from that, from that, like, Texan guy. Did you recognize who that was? No. That was the catheter cowboy from John Oliver. Oh my God. That yes, was totally that the catheter so- cowboy. <laughs> That makes a lot of sense. That's yeah. Getting work, baby. Good for you. Uh, I wrote down, man, what a fucking brutal scene uh, when he's uh, blowing up the Mexicans in the the room. When he has, because he again, of course, he has a, a shotgun with a silencer on it, which actually isn't a thing. Which excuse me, wasn't a thing at, in two thousand seven. And then basically every gun developer saw that's like, well, why don't we make that? So now shotguns have silencers. I never knew that, man. I never knew that. I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. Right. It but. No, it makes yeah. sense that so that's not a thing because shotguns are fucking loud. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole point of them. But the, apparently, you can buy a silencer for your shotgun now. Um, so the, the next mass shooting you don't hear about, you can thank this movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the I picked up on a new detail. So I've seen this movie several times. I picked up a new detail I've never noticed before. So when he, when when he by uh, Anton Sugar goes to the motel and rents the room, like you know, a couple doors down from it. I always just thought he was being weird when he was going into the room and was just being like into his room. What I realized now, what he was doing is he was getting the layout of the hotel room so that he could go in and officially kill all the Mexicans. Did you also notice 
he goes into the closet and he like feels how thick the wall is. What he's doing is he's trying to see if the bullet will penetrate. Oh, that was fascinating. I never noticed that before. It's it's so it's so crazy. Um, and all of that all okay. that is just, show show don't tell. He doesn't say a goddamn thing the whole damn time. Yeah. So yeah, just a just a brutal great shootout and and continuing the chase. We move to a second hotel. But before that, that's when we introduce some new characters. Uh Woody Harrelson's uh, Carson Ellis. He wins the award Ellis. for biggest hat in the movie. Big 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 dumb tag. Big old Stephen hat. Root as just a I think you realize, I realize, oh, this world, it's kind of, it's this meta commentary of how everyone is involved in this drug trade of how, like, that is like the war on drugs is such bullshit. And there's more like, uh, Woody Harrelson's hitman is like the complete opposite of Shigur, right? He's a talkative. That's the point. Yeah. That's the point of his character. I mean, yeah. the, uh, just basically uh, just adding, adding stakes to this. Although I, if I were to be like, I don't think we really need them because I, I like them being in it, but also you, we kind of don't need them in this movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Woody Harrelson's an interesting character in this. Like he, you, you probably could do without him, I guess. Uh, I guess we'll go to the next, when he goes to the next hotel is when he discover, actually discovers the tracking device, but, uh, you know, Shigur already has him. That, but this time, again, setting up a trap of telling the, uh, hotel manager or whatever, be like, Hey, anyone checks in, give me a call. And he can't get to sleep because he's like, he knows guy's already dead. Right. And then again, just perfectly tense scene of, you see the foots underneath the stairway He's got the gun cocked. That, that might be and one of the most tense scenes I've ever watched. I love that whole scene. It's like, you know, spoilers for like later on, but like when we talk about categories, but like that is my favorite scene of the whole goddamn movie. I love the second hotel. I know. And when he shoots off the uh, the the lock again, it's act, acting as a bullet. And then he shoots his gun and then falls out the back of the window. Is that perfect, like ironic comedy of life of this insane situation he's in right he he goes like that should be like a melissa mccarthy move that happens yep. right mm-hmm. like <laughs> and then he's able to get back up go back in and try and hunt him up from back the other side only that he's already disappeared technically well. technically this movie is part comedy it is fun there's very it's a lot of funny moments in this they continue to shoot out some this fucking poor guy just giving a moss a ride just gets murked yep and that is that like, is directly Josh Brolin's fault. Yeah, just another innocent standing in his wake. And then uh, we escape to Mexico. I wrote down, boy, I can't. I think it's my it's my biggest nightmare is waking up to a mariachi band. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that was so fucking funny. And like uh, the fucking mariachi, <laughs> and they just like slowly stop, and he's like, "Here's a bloody hundred dollar bill. Take me to a fucking doctor." <laughs> when uh, when he after crossing the Mexican border, mariachi band starts suing him. Which translation is English? In English is. You wanted to fly without wings. You wanted to touch the sky. You wanted too much wealth. You wanted to play with fire. They're probably the most like just referencing this story. Well, right? like, you know, <laughs> I mean, it is. If you speak Spanish, that is the worst metaphor of all time. If you don't speak but, Spanish, you're like, oh, it's brilliant. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Yes, there you go. So people, we can make our own uh, video essay about that now. I know, right? Um, so this actually leads to. Uh, Another one of my favorite sequences in this movie is um, uh, more so on Anton Chigurh's side. I love that after this, arguably, I would say kind of sort of the climax of the movie is them fighting in the second hotel. It's like the most exciting scene. We get a scene of them licking their wounds, you know? Yes, I like that. I was going to say I love the duality of them just fixing fixing themselves up to prepare for the next bout essentially yeah. i wrote down uh chigor gets in the bath with an open uh flesh wound from a bullet being struck by a bullet and i stubbed my toe in college and was out of commission for six weeks do you remember this i know oh i know i when remember I, that when i fractured my toe in college and i was like i'm fucking not done i need to ride up to campus wasn't, wasn't that like on a stairwell or something like that <laughs> 
No, I wish it was. I literally turned. I said goodnight to Duncan, and I just turned my toe the wrong way, and and I got stuck, and I broke my fucking toe. (laughs) So what you're saying is realism in film. That's what you're saying. Realism (laughs) is 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 non-existent. So in this time, uh, he basically throws the money away. Uh, keep, keep keep hiding as he recovers in the hospital. Wells is able to track him down. He's like, listen, bro, just fucking give up. Trust me, this is not, this shit's not worth it. <laughs> I mean, several times in this falling action, you know, we're, we've still got 45 minutes left in the movie. Several times, Josh Brolin is told to his face by several characters, you are a dead man. Just try to get out as much as you can. Like, there's no point in any of this. <laughs> and he's just explained to him, man, like, this is not gonna go the way you think ever like i mean unless you were able to kill shigur but good luck with that yeah. so then this is one of my favorite parts is when uh, wells is going into the hotel room and then she, you can see shigur again just quietly behind him appear and then you're like oh fuck buddy woody harrelson no yep. and then <laughs> and it, like just, and it's just it's total inevitability from the second he yeah. sees him it, like well this is another scene there are video essays get mm-hmm. made about because it's a scene in this movie um yeah it's, every basically every scene that's a fucking video essay right, about and it. the the one i've seen the most about this scene is it's woody harrelson going through the five stages of acceptance right of grief you know yes because he's like I he agree. tries to bargain with sugar he tries to logically argue why he shouldn't kill him he gets angry you know and then at the end he's like you go to hell and then he just gets shot <laughs> uh i wrote down man when the phone rings in there in that scene that is the loudest like ring in the history of cinema it is. It's so startling and scary because you keep waiting for him to be shot and killed, but then, and then, then, bam, dead. Is that just wait? Is that just what phone rings were like back then? Were they just horribly oh, yeah, jarring? Just super, yeah, just super duper duper loud. That's what they were. Um, all right. So then, uh, great line. This is a great line by Tommy Lee Jones. Well, they're still, again. They're just. They just keep coming up on bodies. Uh, because he died of natural causes. Like, these are natural causes, natural to their line of work. Uh, uh, like, great line. <laughs> love it. Fucking love great it. Great old man. Uh, I literally wrote down uh, for the last, uh, I wrote down, like, two more things for the rest of this movie, because, like, there was yeah. just wasn't much more to make fun of. I just wrote down, grumble, grumble, young people. Well, <laughs> <laughs> old people. Uh, I wrote down, I think, yeah, there's not too much, because we're basically just going to get to the end. The movie does just weirdly kind of just end. It, it, it um, loses a little bit of steam. Just a yes, l- it's I the mean, falling action. Just, it, it's just really extended falling action. Yeah. So uh, when uh, Lewin Moss, uh, Josh Brolin's trying to get back across the border and he's fighting with the border guards like, you jacking with me? You don't jack with me. That guy, <laughs> funniest <laughs> part of the whole movie, I think, probably. Okay, I, 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 hilarious. I also would throw him into the freak of the film. Uh, I wrote down, goodbye, Stephen Root. Just goodbye. <laughs> You're poof, dead. Poof. Uh, we see uh, Carla Jean and her mom down in El Paso. Her mom. Oh, my God. What a Texas woman. I know. I know. And now <laughs> I got the cancer. Now I got the cancer. Thank God there's some gentleman left in this town. Oh, and you're Mexican. You don't really see Mexicans in suits that often. <laughs> You're like, oh, my God. I don't God. know why she's Jeez. a Jewish mother now, but that's essentially. I don't know. We're not, we're not good at accents. You're always looking to see what's coming. That's why no one can ever see it. And then this is probably one of the craziest parts of the movie. So he goes to the next hotel. And he's like, then he has the beer scene. He's like, I know what beer leads to. I know, like, I'm not coming in to fuck you, basically, with that right, chicken right, right, thing. Yep. And then Tommy Lee Jones descends on the thing, and Moss is just dead. It's, it is very interesting, because, like, that should be, uh, by rights, that should be the climax of the movie, is that shootout. Yeah, that shootout, like, we see we see our protagonist just die, you know, Chikora wins. Because even, like, but, like, or, like, you know, something happens, we just, 
But, you know, because Tommy Lee Jones is actually the main character, right. even though he's least screen time and stuff to do. He just descends on it. He's like, oh, oh, fuck. And, like, like, just, I, like I said, just in, seen... in the novel, he is the main character. And, like, he he, he learns about all of this happening secondhand. You know what I mean? And that's what's so interesting about the movie is, like, as the audience, we actually learn about it firsthand because we get to see it happen. And then, we, and then we're just here to watch Tommy Lee learn about it. And I just think it's interesting. I don't know if it's good or bad. I just I think it's interesting. I think it's uh, everything. So like after that, so he returns to the hotel room to kind of see what see what happens. Another really great tense scene where Chigor is just hiding behind the door after getting the money. Right. And you you see the blown out lock still, and he's like, and like you just see it's going through his mind of like this is his not his like his decision not to keep pursuing into the room is like his basically his decision of being done with this world right. is the way I read it as a again from the our visual essay we're doing. Uh, then we he visits. It's actually his uncle Ellis. Okay. And he tells his plans to tells him his plan to to retire and how he's outmatched. Uh, then we get the final great, incredibly tense scene of Carla Jean returning from her mother's funeral, and uh, Shigor's in the bedroom waiting for. Now her. Now you see, Sean, it, love... it is left deliberately uh, uh, ambiguous whether or not he actually killed her, because that is the nature of chance. Which I know, but I can I have something that I, I want to bring up in a second <laughs> about it. But I, I love just how the way she's fighting with him because. It's a fight no one else would fight with her. She's not even like pleading with her life. She's basically just calling out the fallacy of his logic. Oh yeah, he's he's just like you're pulling the trigger, you idiot. And then the movie ends in the most when it, it's just him telling you about a dream he had. Yeah, it is. Right? It is a down ending. Down, quiet ending. And then the and I wrote down that it might as well end with him finishing with saying it. Him talking about his dream and him going. For it was no country for old. If men. that had happened, the movie is a is a seven. <laughs> it drops yes, down three it's, fucking it's points. Like, <laughs> it's like in the it's like in the part of when the rat is on the roof. Of the, <laughs> but yeah, it's just like we we barely. This is probably one of the quiet. I think we talked more about she's all that's plot than this movie's plot. But this plot is more interesting and engaging and infinitesimal, right? Like oh yeah. Duh. So when you talk about the the ambiguity of Carla Jean. Carla Jean's death, right? So this is something I found. Uh, there's a strong visual clue that Anton Chigurh did kill Carla Jean. Oh, when he looked Chigurh at his boots? Appa- yes, yeah. because Chigurh, you notice the entire time he doesn't like getting blood on himself. That's why he draws the shower curtain right. before shooting the man in the thing. And after he kills the Mexicans in the hotel, he takes off his socks, which presumably have blood on them. And after killing Wells, he lifts his feet off the floor. Uh, as he exits Carla Jean's mother house, he pauses to check the soles of his boots. So, like, so I think it's people- implied, like, if we're looking at it on a scale of, like, 1 to 10... Did he kill her? Probably like a sixty percent chance, like a six out of ten that he did, right? Yes. Would you say more than six that? Out of ten. I I say eight out of ten. Okay. All right. I think, that's I, I think it's definitely more he did than didn't. Even if, even I think even if she lost the coin toss, I still think he does it. Uh, if he's just sitting there, he's like, I mean, "Oh, you're, you're not going to declare." That eh, counts as a loss. Boom, boom, boom. He doesn't 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 declare, and also she challenged his worldview. Right. How many how many people do you think Shigor kills in this film? It's not a whole lot. It's a good amount. It's. No, it, it is a lot of people because they're people. Well, sure. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's in like, terms of action it's not, movies. It's not, it's not John right. Wick, but this isn't an action movie, right? This is. I'm going to go with uh, 16. Pretty good, pretty good. 14 is All the right, number. All right, cool. All right, I was close. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sheriff Deputy Strangulation, the motorist on the road with the catapult to the head, right. the two men with suits in the deserts. Yep. Uh, we did mention them, but uh, yeah. The three Mexicans in the hotel, the Eagle pa- Pass Hotel uh, clerk, right. uh, uh, Woody Harrelson, Yep. The driver who saved Moss. Yep. The man who, uh, Stephen Root. Yep. Uh, the accountant, although that one's only a presumed That, that one's and heavily then, implied. And then the chicken truck driver and then Carla Jean. Yep. Is, uh, those are the, the rest are all presumed dead. 
Yep, for sure. Uh, that's yeah, kind of all I got in terms of what while we were watching this movie. Yeah. So I actually want to kind of I I I'm introducing you to a new segment for this cabin called uh, other people's hot takes. Oh boy. I went down I went to Letterbox, which you don't know what Letterbox is. It's literally just like a yeah, you know, it's just like Reddit, but for movies, of uh, which I guess is just Reddit. But it's uh, people just give their film reviews. So I got here's the here's a one sentence review I got from this film. Josh Brolin with a southern accent equals perfection. Five stars. Yeah, it's five. Yeah, it's five stars. Yeah, there it is. Yep, you did it. Good job. This movie is basically just Red Dead Redemption '84. The, Three stars. That's not true at all. <laughs> it's not even know, remotely. Cl- what the fuck off? Get out of here. And my this is my personal favorite, bro. I still don't know what to think about this shit. One star. Yeah, that's that's the 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 eighteen year old bro frat bro who's in film film one hundred and one who's like I don't know man who got the money it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, it really it really doesn't. That's the that's the funniest because like funniest part I mean like this. most likely uh, this movie is not for dumb people. No, my, my, well I don't even think it's for like highbrow people either. I just don't think it's for like it's. You know, it's not for someone who's going to... They're not looking for, for Fast and the Furious level entertainment here, you know? Yeah, I agree. Like, like even though it is that level of entertaining at times, it's just... The, it's just because it is action-packed and just... It's just so tense at all times. It's just a... It's a, it's a hard movie. It's like... I feel like we're not as ecstatic about it as we were other movies, but this is a hundred percent a ten in my opinion. Uh, yeah, like, there, there's no way movie. I would make an argument that it's under a ten. Uh, and... I'm with you because, like, the last time we watched was Mad Max Fury Road, and I've never been more excited by a movie in my entire life. This movie is just different, and 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 every movie is different, but this movie is just a different ten for sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, with that, let's get to our categories, right? Yeah. Uh, best actor. I have two. I got all of them, but like, yeah, go ahead. What do you got? I mainly just gave it to Brolin and Bardem. There are two leads, and I think they do the best. I think you got to give a shout out to Tommy Lee. I think all our three leads are killing it. I agree. The only reason I didn't probably put Tommy Lee in is because it, he is just being Tommy Lee Jones. This right. Time. Excellently so. Excellently. But like, but like, I like, figured like if when you, one of his best sorry. lines is a, a Tommy Leeism is is at the uh, at the the shootout afterwards. He's like, well, Sheriff, this is a real mess, and he's just like. Well, it'll do until the mess gets here. <laughs> like, fuck off, Tommy Lee. I love you. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck off, Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, yeah, I, we didn't talk about Brolin, but Brolin, again, he's doing kind of that Tom Hardy where he doesn't have a lot to say, but his body acting is so excellent in this. Oh, yeah, because like, his, just, his yeah. actual lines of dialogue, there's a good amount, but, like, not that much. Yeah, he's not he's not he's not giving a, a Shakespearean soliloquy at any point. Right. You know, he's just going. He's just he's like an animal just trying to survive. Yep. I mean, again, if we're uh, talking about visual cues, when he sees the pronghorn he wounds earlier just scampering off from him, like that's him. This mo- entire movie, yeah. right? I, I, exactly. And I don't uh, I don't think we could give it to anyone else besides Javier, though. Yeah, I agree because he won the Academy Award. He's no, it's, he became an instantly iconic. In his film role, and he's a guy too. Where like he really, you think about it, he hasn't done that many American movies, right? Uh, because he's a Spanish actor, but the ones he does are always memorable. Yeah, and then he, right? and then he did uh, uh, Pirates Five, which is the biggest dumpster fire I've seen in years. Yeah, so I want to go through. If we're just going through his uh, American film IMDb, it's No Country for Old yep. Men, Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Uh, that's a Woody Allen film. Oh, good. Uh, Eat. Eat, pray, love. <laughs> he's an eat, pray, love. He is an eat, pray, love. He's the he's the surprisingly he's the Spanish lover she takes what? on. No, I know. Uh, to the wonder. That's a small indie. Yep. Skyfall. Ah, Skyfall, I, Skyfall, I, Skyfall, con- Skyfall. 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 Uh, the counselor. I know that one. Uh, yeah. It's a t- it's a movie we're probably gonna cover one day. Uh, and the 
and then Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Lives, and Mother! Wait, did you say Dead Men Tell No Lives? Tell No Lot and Tell No Tales. Tell No Tales, which is the... That movie fucking sucks. That movie is fucking terrible, but it's so much fun to watch. I hope we get to do it someday. But Kevin, Kevin, do you know what uh, something he was cast in that they never got a chance to make? I do not. Do you remember the Dark Universe, Kevin? Uh, Are you talking about... Oh, wait, wasn't he like Jekyll or Hyde or something like that? He was going to be Frankenstein. That's what it was. That makes zero sense. Monster. Yeah, uh, that, that that was the thing. Oh, and he's in the upcoming Dune, I guess, would yes, be his okay, career. All right. But, yeah, all those roles, though, even the bad ones, are memorable. I'm not going to give any credit to anything that happened in Pirates 5. Everything else, yes. Pirates 5, okay. dumpster fire. Fair enough. All right, so, Javier Rodam, congratulations. You can add this award to your uh, to your Your, your statue is uh, in the mail, my friend. All right, worst actor... Uh, this is controversial. I just have a non-applicable. I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm with you. The only I was going to say the deputy sheriff, but you have convinced me that the reason he stuck out to me was because of it was intentional for sure. Yeah, he's just supposed to be just playing adult, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I just, I honestly, like, I made the joke about the convenience store guy, but I'm like, even then, he's actually kind of doing a great job in this role. No one. Like literally, no one gave a bad read in this film. I can't think. I couldn't think of a single I moment. I mean, the Coen brothers. Not... It's clear that they're they they're great on set for getting things out of actors for sure. So we're seeing. I'm also going to just keep to that one. I got nothing for that as well. There's no just bad scene. No. Like there's not even like a slow scene. Right. Like it's just it. The bet maybe the one diner scene. Maybe when Tommy Lee's talking to Carla Jean. Yeah. But like. That's still you know, a very good. The scene. weird thing about that scene, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, it's been a while to see yeah. the whole movie. Like I said, yeah. that diner scene when he starts talking about the cattle gun, I was half expecting him to be like, like a light bulb moment of like, oh, that's what killed that one person. But it doesn't. He never it, figures it out. No, he never does. And he, like that again, lesser movies, they, it's the traditional the cop gets the bad guy, right? Or even. You know, like Brolin and Tommy Lee Jones team up to take on. Shakur. Not, not that that. There's so many. Not that that would have helped him at all, anyway. No, not not in the slightest. Just look uh, okay. look for a guy with an oxygen tank, I guess. Uh, all what, right, uh, best best scene. scene. Yeah, there's a lot here, man. What's start uh, listening? I, I have a lot. Start listening. So I go with uh, what's the most you've ever lost in a coin flip? The first classic. One. I have uh, the dog chasing Brolin through the river. I did not have that one. That's it's a joke. great scene. I did not have that one. I think. I just loved him killing him. I'm aware. I'm aware, you fucking monster. <laughs> uh, psychopath. I have the Chigor uh, hunting in the first motel. Yep, motel fight. Uh, yep, killing the Mexican yep. hotel fight. Yep. Then I have the second hotel ho- fight. I have the motel fight and the hotel fight. Those are different. Mot- motel motel fight so, and the hotel fight. Yep. I have the car escaping from the hotel fight as its own separate thing. Oh, that's you could. I would say that's all that. one sequence, but yeah, I know what you mean. From there, I take out. Uh, I it go. I go. Uh, Carson being killed by Anton. In that's uh, a great one. Yep. The, yep. I got that one. That's what he. Yep. And and then I said, just the final best scene would be Carla Jean and Anton. I didn't have that one. That is a good one that I think I I I, I personally have underrated. Um, I also have to add in. Um, I love the whole sequence of Anton nursing his wounds. Yeah, that's I great. love it for some reason. That's the thing is like on paper, a lot of these scenes should be terrible, but the way they film them, the way the actors do it and everything, it's just so engrossing. I don't know. It's yes. great. Um, like somebody told me like the reason why Daniel Day Lewis is such a good actor is that in a scene where he's shaving, he's compelling. Yeah. You know, some a very innocuous scenes. Like those are the scenes that still stick with you for some exactly. reason. Exactly. I know what you mean. And the last thing I have is Tommy Lee going to see his uncle. I love that scene too. Um, I love it too. Yeah. Uh, I want so that would which what do you want to give it to? My I'm go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. You go. 
I'm going to give it to the hotel shootout. I, I was about uh, to say the, the hotel shootout. It's from start to finish. The tension is so fucking good in a movie that's full because, of tension. Because I think too, if you break it down, it has everything we're talking about. It has the tension. Yep. It has the action. Yep. It has the comedy. Uh, the like the dark comedy bliss of it. And like, yeah. And the other thing, the yeah. only downside is like Javier Bardem is like not on screen for almost all of it, but you feel Which his is, presence. Exactly, because he's the fucking boogeyman. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's, like, you don't even need to see him to feel him. <laughs> you mean this, this so, guy's sugar? <laughs> <laughs> he's, all right, our Fury Road freak of the film in this one. Uh, there's actually a bunch, because there's a lot of just great Texans. Javier Bardem. Javier, Bar- Javier Bardem's haircut. Yeah, okay, not, you know I, I'm with you, I'm with you. It's his haircut. It's not him, it's his haircut. Uh, the, the secretary, refusing to give up the information. She's great. Um, oh, where's the other one I had? Oh, when uh, Brolin comes back to buy the <laughs> the catheter guy. The catheter cowboy. The <laughs> catheter cowboy, I have him. I also had uh, you jacking me. Yeah, the, the border guard. Yeah, the U.S. border guard. Border guard. Border guard. And far, finally, Carla Jean's mom. Oh, I man. Just, she's so Texan. <laughs> I got the cancer. And it turns yeah, out she I, actually I, did. She, she did. I, she was so good. I I kept. I looked. Actually, looked up the actress's name, and it's Beth Grant. And she's one of those people you forget. She's in fucking everything mm. as an old woman. Mm-hmm. Like it's like she's she's kind of like the reverse Tommy Lee Jones, where she's been an old woman for forty years, mm-hmm. and because society's bad, like we've always thought any woman over the forties, eighty. So that's basically what she's done for forty years of acting, and she's she's great. coming out there. She's gonna put up like you know seven points and four rebounds off the bench, but you need her there for the locker room. You really do. She's she's a glue guy. <laughs> glue guy. She's a glue guy. <laughs> glue gal. Uh, I give it to her. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I, I, all of them are great, for sure. Our Stephen J. Gomez slash Detective Alvarez butt plug of this uh, film. Memorial butt plug award. Thank you very memorial, much. Memorial, excuse me. Memorial butt plug of this film. I'm, a, I'm assuming uh, I Alvarez give... dies at some point in Gotham. <laughs> we'll never know. Uh, <laughs> I have only one, and that's... Uh, Deputy Wendell. It's Garrett absolutely Dillon. the deputy. It's absolutely the deputy. He's always, oh shit. The first like oh, three sure, scenes. We have yeah, him. he just comes in. And he's like, well, this thing is happening over there. We should go check it out. <laughs> like other than that, that's the last little few rounds of trivia here. Yeah, what do you got? Uh, so, in, according to a, two, a January 2018 article in Business Insider, a group of psychiatrists studied over 400 movies and identified 126 psychopathic characters, and they chose Javier Bardem's portrayal of Anton Chigurh as the most clinically accurate portrayal of a so- psychopath. Interesting. Yeah, right. Like I, I kind of, I, I don't know what a real psychopath is like, but I know he scares the fuck right. out of me. Right. There's, there is a, there's a delineation between a sociopath and a psychopath. Uh, a sociopath doesn't really understand human emotions, really, um, or like, and then I think a psychopath might. I honestly, I, I would need to look it up. I've learned it before, but they're, they're very similar. But also, there is a distinct delineation between the two of them. Uh, Josh Brolin, in an interview with Now Magazine, uh, talks about how two days after getting getting cast in the film, he gets into a motorcycle accident where he flew through the air. Jesus. And he said, and then he quotes, he recalled thinking, fucking shit, I really wanted to work with the Coens as he flew over the car that hit him. <laughs> He's, which is so Josh Brolin, it sounds so I, like, I imagine I he's totally... like got his arms crossed in there. He's like, fucking shit. God, fucking shit. God damn it. Uh, his, his injury, however, didn't turn out to be a, turn out to be a non-issue since his character is shot in the shoulder early in the film. Damn. All right. Yeah, that worked uh, out. Josh Brolin also, uh, when he was auditioning for the film, was working on the movie. I uh, was working on Grindhouse with Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, 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 okay. And uh, so he sent in an audition tape where in which he ended up actually having uh, the audition enti- elaborately shot with a theatrical camera they were using, mm-hmm. directed by Quentin Tarantino, uh, and with uh, uh, 
Robert Rodriguez reading his lines with them. When the Coens saw the Brolin's tape, their response was that they loved the lighting. Ah, oh, there you go. <laughs> These, as I said earlier, the suppressor and Anton Chigurh's shotgun was specially made, specially made for the movie. Such a device did not exist at the time, so the Coens had one uh, to invent one for the film. And since since then, gun manufacturers have made one in real life. Uh, the film was actually mainly shot in Vegas, Las Vegas, New Mexico, not Las Vegas, Nevada, huh. and it and in West Texas. West Texas. Now, do you? Want to guess who some of the other actors were? They were considered for uh, for the film. For I only have in general, or like you know, what? I only have one other actor that we're going to. Is talk it Benicio about, del Toro? So it it would be funnier if it was, <laughs> but this is an interesting one. Uh, Heath Ledger was their first choice. Was J- Ethan Cohen's first choice to play Lewin Moss? Yeah, I could but see it. Was it. Joel Cohen's first choice to play Anton Chigurh. Wow. Okay. I mean, he's got range for right. certainly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, Ledger after turned... Brokeback Mountain, he does he does a Texas accent incredibly well. Oh, he he was such an incredible. Like when I mean, we're gonna do the Dark Knight one day, and I hope we do a couple other Heath Ledger films. He was an incredible. We think about it, he was an incredible actor. Yeah. And that we just again lost too soon. And was also known for uh, fucking shitty rom coms when he was like a teenager. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Ten Things I Hate About You is a fucking great movie. I don't know about that. It's an eight. Uh, oh, fuck off. There is no ro- there is no rom com that's an eight. That's not there's true. There's no rom com that's an eight. Uh when Harry Met Sally's a nine. But like that's that's a that, that is very different that's than a you know it. That's a rom com. We're moving on. That's different than no. you know it. <laughs> Move all right. I I table the discussion. Garrett Dillahunt auditioned five times for Anton Chigurh, but got Deputy Wendell. <laughs> uh, well, sorry, buddy. <laughs> he led your uh, the, did, turned down the role because he took on the joke and he had to prepare for yeah. that. Ironically, even though when you think about it, the Joker and Anton Chigurh are pretty similar characters. I would agree with that. And also, isn't Anton Chigurh supposed to be like of Mexican descent? Like, yeah, I mean, I assume they would have changed the. Uh, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, here's one uh, that's just nuts. It has something to do with the movie. Did you know Tommy Lee Jones? was roommates with Al Gore in college. I did actually know that. That's just wild. This <laughs> is true. A, isn't that an insane thing? Is there a dorm room you want to go into less than that Oh, it one? sounds terrible. It's That's a horrible place to be. And I think that's all we got here on uh, freaking uh, No Country for Old Men. Yeah, man. It's a classic. Do, do, do you think, Everyone should watch it. Do you think this is a 10? I guess the question is, do you think this is a 10? Yeah, it's iconic. It's, uh, I think it's a 10 I, as I'd well. Feel like, there's nothing... I'm not going to say it's a perfect movie because there's really no, not really a, such a thing. But there's nothing... There's no, there's no argument I think to be made to be like, well, it deserves to take this point off because of this. Like, I think it's a ten. I think, yeah, I think it's a ten, definitely on our scale. We literally couldn't find anything to make fun of it about. That's its biggest detriment. Except honestly. the Catherine Cowboy. That's about it. Catherine Cowboy's best, thing which we didn't come happen up with. until like seven years later. Got probably longer. Probably like ten years later. That's that was like probably. I don't it, know. it was like early okay. general, but no, no, it was like probably yeah. eight or nine years later. Yeah, it's probably ten years. Yeah. Okay, it did ruin our streak of movies. Uh, in the in a row, saying the title. All I'm saying is that your your idea of how to end the movie would have would have saved it. It would have saved it, but ruined the I, movie. I, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> if he had said he's like, and then my dad turned to me and said, "It's no country for old men." For that old movie, man, that son. movie's a seven. It fucking plummets <laughs> to a seven. All right, all that's to do is now we have to replace No Country for Old Men on our list. Okay, okay. So, so Kevin, you want me to read off what we have uh, the nominees? Before you do that, all I'm saying okay. is like we stick with what the current list is. Mm-hmm. On the on the last time I did this, y'all corrected me for rolling a four and thinking that meant yes. we were rolling we were going to watch Reign of Fire. Instead, you're like, yes. no, it's Ava instead. All I'm yes. saying is, if you look at how our list is done, a four from the bottom is Reign of Fire, 
and every other list is from the bottom. That's all I'm saying. No, everything else is up from, it's from, I, I read them top down. But like our current top 10 list is list top 10, 9, 8, 7, 10. And so like all, all Okay, all the, okay. Yeah. You, you, you are right, but the way I did it is not that so, way. So I'm not saying we change it. Like, we can't change it. No, it's it's in there. We're not, Ava's must stay. If you want, I'll start reading them from bottom to top. Well, as in like and bottom is a the, one. Okay. Yes. Yeah. No, in terms of what it reaches in the That's back. Fine. Okay. If that's the case, so this is for our future next watch of what is a 10. Go for it. Now that we've corrected this. So from the bottom up, this is, if we roll a one, we get this. Yep. A two, we get the next one, so on and so Go forth. Go for it. So our new number one is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Never seen it. I, it's, I hope it, it's it's a perfect film, in my opinion. I don't know if there's such a thing as a perfect film, but it is fantastic. Uh, two, The Social Network. I really need to rewatch it. It's been a while. Three, Casablanca. Never seen it. Four, The Exorcist. Seen it, loved it. Five, Once Upon a Time in Still Hollywood. Still haven't seen it. And six, Boogie Nights. Seen it classic been a while classic. i was high i was in high school when i saw it so i, I well, see it again that one that one we're gonna have some, we would have some fun. all right here we go all right kevin so please roll a six-sided die for us that is once upon a time in hollywood that's a five okay that's a five baby. all right i'm gonna move it up oh you got it all right go for right. it yeah i, I got it all right, I can take all right. It out and, uh... now it is time to roll for our next film now we roll a 10-sided die it's kevin's turn to roll so we're probably watching something oh shit. we're gonna watch some shit my dude so our new 10 is once upon a time in hollywood Nine, Skyfall. Eight, Drive. Seven, Con Air. Six, Oblivion. Five, Frank. Four, Ava. Three, Amazing Spider-Man. Two, Ugh. two, Cats. One, Catwoman. Oh, like, it, you're right. go, it's, you know, it, it is how the list is supposed to work. But, like, yeah. as you're going down that, the oofs get higher and higher. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it really does. And, and like, it's not, that shouldn't be surprising, and it isn't, because that's how it's supposed okay. to work. But, like, as you, every time you read it, I'm like, yeah, oh, okay. Oh, oh no. Ooh, ooh. So, all right. So you're ready for my hot take right yep. now? I kind of want to get Cats yep. to get it out of the way. Because I also think it's going to be taken off HBO Max at some point so they can hide this movie forever. <laughs> Which means we'll, we'll either have to buy it or go to some sketchy site to uh, watch no. it. So I kind of want to get Cats just to get it done. All right, baby. All right. What, what this, do I uh, want? I uh, <laughs> Should I say Drive? <laughs> just say Drive. Say drive. We're, never get, we're, nev- we're never getting Drive. All right. Point, let's, 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 let's do all this. All right. Here we go, baby. Here's a four. I get, it's a fucking four. I guarantee it. Oh, okay. Huh? What's that? Oblivion. What, what, it's a six. Oblivion. Okay. I, I've never seen one. it. Like a six. Oblivion. It, this is a very six film. It's starring uh, Tom Cruise. It's a sci-fi. It's sci-fi action f- flick. It's. Uh, I've only seen it one time. I remember being like, "That was pretty good." But like, I I can I can barely tell you anything about this film. But you got Tom Cruise. It actually has a seven on IMDb. Then I'm looking at it. So, yeah, that'll be fun. So yeah, that, that we got a six, we're baby. We got a six. We're doing Oblivion. Six. That this this should be an interesting watch. I feel like I haven't seen it in ages. You've never seen it. We don't have any uh, precursors coming into it. Uh, we get to talk a little Tommy Cruise, baby. Oh, oh, I'm in for some Tom. I'm in for some crazy Tom Cruise energy. This ought to be fun. Oh. <laughs> A hundred percent. All right, other than that, everybody, thank you for listening. Please like, share, and subscribe. Tell your friends about this podcast. Uh, you know, let us know what you thought about it by uh, messaging no one because we're not on social media that much. Uh, I'm not. So, Fuck that place. <laughs> you can message me at BigBerry63. Other than that, uh, oh, wait. And I have uh, one more thing to say. Uh, ben Affleck, come on this Benny, pod. Baby, Benny, Benny, baby, baby, ben, baby, Benny, 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 come on the pod. Come on the pod. Bye.